welcome to the Inside the Eight podcast with your hosts, Jamie Monroe and Colleen McGarity. This podcast is dedicated to all things women's lacrosse. We will break down top games of the week, discuss coaching strategies, and lacrosse recruiting. We will even bring in some of the game's top coaches and players as special guests. And now, here are your hosts, Jamie and Colleen. How's it going, everybody? Really excited to welcome Greg Michelli, the defensive coordinator from Stony Brook, to the Inside the Eight podcast. Me and Colleen are fired up to have you on. Greg, you and I have known each other for a, for a long time. And the first thing I want everybody to know is your background. You grew up playing Canadian box lacrosse, right? Where did you grow up? What town? Uh, King City, Ontario. Blink, who'd, you play, who'd you play minor for? Uh, I played for Caledon. Uh, it was a Caledon Bandit. And then once um, they didn't have, once I get, got too old to play minor lacrosse, I played for Orangeville. Orangeville. Uh, and did, you guys, did you guys play, you played junior A in Orangeville? Uh, unfortunately, I was not a junior A player. I played junior B, but we were still good. Um, nice. You know. Well, I remember trying. I was at Denver when you were a recruit at Culver Academy an incredibly skilled right-handed pole and you were on the Canadian U19 national team and uh, things didn't work out at Denver, but you uh, ended up having an awesome career at Culver really kind of got that program off the ground. And then you ended up at Stony Brook playing men's lacrosse. Um, and the funniest thing is everybody is that Greg Michelli ended up living in my basement for about a month in the, <laughs> in like March of 2013 coached, with me at Mountain Vista High School. And so Greg and I go way back and we've got uh, seriously awesome memories and great lacrosse ties. Um, but uh, really fired up to have you on the show. Usually uh, Colleen kicks off some questions, but I just needed to set the stage that we had spent a lot of time together over the years. And honestly, I think every part of that could have had an hour. Um, <laughs> but I think that it's definitely not the... Uh, the example that you would tell every recruit is kind of how you would, I actually, when I played for team Canada, I wasn't, I was uncommitted. And that was the summer after graduating high school. And I decommitted from the school that I was going to go to. And Kevin Crowley, who I played with on team Canada said, Greg, where are you going to school? And I said, I might do another year. I might just go home. I might start working. And he said, let me call my coach. So Rick soul came to watch the games and I took my official visit in, I think, July. And then two weeks later, I was there for freshman orientation. So uh, it was definitely not exact. But honestly, I think that it, it worked out exactly um, the way it was supposed to. Because now working at Stony Brook, I have so much more uh, of a connection to wanting to see the success of just the department as a whole. Um, I think that, you know, when you've sown a little bit of the um, uh, of, of the uh, of the seeds there yourself, it kind of it means a little bit more. And now that I, you know, I married my wife, that I went, you know, she played on the women's team. Uh, she's Allie Kennedy's older sister. That's I'm not kidding. It's not her claim to fame that she's Allie's sister, but um, but yeah. So I mean, it's just it's it's now a part of my life. It's part of my my family's life. You know, my you know my parents still follow. Um, they're on the Instagram uh, watching us uh, in, in all of our shooting stuff. So it just means a lot more. So I think my, my journey is, is unique, but it's, uh, 
it's mine, I guess. I love that. Cause I think, um, a lot of times on this podcast, we talk about recruiting and like people just following their own path. Cause everyone just tries to do like keeping up with the Joneses and go to 800 different camps and clinics. You could have maybe inserted another school, you know, and I think that just the, the common, the common thing was it was going to happen for, I knew it was going to happen for myself because I knew that no matter what I would, I was good enough to play and I was good enough to figure it out. And I, I feel like that's, you know, that's what, you know, we look for. I think that there's, there's a unique thing that I think everybody, you know, when you surround yourself with, you know, a certain type of person, there's that one thing that always is um, consistent. And I think the love, the love of the sport and a work ethic and did I see myself getting into women's across um, 10 years ago? Probably not. But I think that it was something that allowed me to grow and learn more about just the sport of lacrosse and how, how you know, many people can, um, you know, can, you can touch and kind of help get an education or learn about themselves. Like, you know, hand-eye coordination is not for, you know, and not everybody has hand-eye coordination. So when you see somebody do something with a lacrosse stick and it happens so fast, just, I know myself, I see it. I'm like, oh my gosh, all the little things that just went on to make that play, it really brings a smile to your face. So, so how did Canadian box lacrosse influence the way you coach women's lacrosse? I think box lacrosse, is a it's a culture that it's a culture that really is um, that puts importance on things that you would overlook or things that you didn't think are important. For example, I like to call box across a locker room sport. Uh, some I don't remember who said it, but. Joe, one of the, one of Joe's greatest quotes that I've stolen from him is the best coach is the best thief. And somebody said this to me once that, you know, box is a locker room sport and hockey is as well. So you got to get to the ring for a box practice minimum 30 minutes before you got to get to a game at least an hour before. Whereas, you know, for field lacrosse, you can just show up to practice. You know, if practice starts at three, you can show up at 255 and just kind of roll out. Box, you can't do that. So you got to put the gear on. You got to make sure that your armor's on. You got to make sure your stick's good. So like when you when you look at a box across player, the stick is, is part of them. You know, like to warm up, it's you, your stick, and a wall. Like it's not, hey, let's pass. Let's, let's take our time. It's no, I got to hit the wall as hard as I can, pick a spot. And like that's just, you know, when I would go to my brother's box games in between periods, it was put your helmet on and you're waiting by the gate to get out there because there was 10 minutes that you could spend on the floor by yourself working on your craft. And you would see 10 to 15 kids just on the floor in the, you know, in the middle of period. So box is like box started a foundation of you're all in on this sport. You're going to learn and you're going to be invested and you're going to learn everything or you're just, you're, you're going to get passed by. And I think that, being one with your stick, being able to catch everything, be able to feed everything, be able to move so fast, 
mentally and physically, it allows everything else in the sport of lacrosse, every other aspect or type of lacrosse, um, it allows you to kind of just be better at it. I think that box is a foundation that can, you know, that hits every single, um, you know, field across women's across. So I just, I don't know. It's, it's a really tough question. What did box lacrosse do to me, but, or, or, or give me, but it, it, it allowed me to really dive into a sport that I was going to love for the rest of my life. And you can't play that sport slow. You can't play that sport, not intense. You know, you have to cross check. Like I play in a men's league. I know going into a men, you know, my men's, men's league box games that I'm probably going to leave with a bruise at 31 years old. I know that going in and I know that it's something that I'm going to probably look at you know, at my arm later in that night and say, I remember that cross check and kind of, you know, just kind of get back into it. So I'll never, I'll never uh, stop learning or diving into box. That's my, my, really my passion. That's awesome. I mean, I've incorporated it so much in with my girls in high school and triple H and just making sure in January, February, we're playing and we're getting all those reps and just for them to see the game in a different lens and then I'm getting them to try and watch, you know, teams like Stony Brook and Syracuse Northwestern that you can see it in your guys' offense. Like you can see how it rolls over, which is the interesting part. And I think the exciting part about just girls across in general, and you're a part of like a really big shift. I don't know. The game is just changing and shifting and getting faster and better every single day. So, I mean, do you guys, obviously, do you get to play at any box lacrosse in your off season at all, or is it more just concepts that you guys bring over? We did it, uh, I think it was two years ago and never touching a, you know, boy stick players that you would think could pick it up really quickly, picked it up very quickly. And, you know, you can, you can see that, the stick kind of not, not having to worry about getting, you know, checked it just like, you know, not calling a pick in practice, the things that you can learn from, you know, the box game as a girl, you know, you said, you know, without the stick, there's so much that you don't even have to teach. So just having them play it, they, they, they learn it themselves. And that's one thing that Jamie always taught me was, you know, don't, blow the whistle too quick, let them, you know, let it breathe. And I think that that's, that's the box game itself. And that's the free play itself. I think that it's just so important that just play the game without anybody teaching you. And I feel like you can, you know, I don't think that's, that's one thing about box across. I, th I think that it's not, it's not really as rigid um, as it, in the youth. Like, I mean, you know, four, five, six, seven years old. It's all right. It's almost just everybody has fun and they just play, you know, and, you know, they blow the whistle every minute and they sub it's, it's not structured, but that itself teaches so much. Totally. I saw a really cool demo that you did <clears throat> with uh, coach Spalina you coach a lot of girls box lacrosse with those, I think it's the yellow jackets probably. 
So uh, tell us a little bit about what that's like and what it's done for the skill level and the IQ of those players. Yeah, I think that when you have a group that's committed to practice and committed to, you know, all the, the quote, not so fun things, like always playing in games, um, it's, it's, it, it allows you to, to work and kind of really dive in with the group. So it was, hey guys, we're gonna play a sport that you've never played before. If you have an older brother, um, ask to borrow their equipment. Um, doesn't matter if you've ever never played before, it's okay. Probably nobody's played it. You know, the first time we ever did it, nobody played. And it was just grab whatever you can and, and show up to this rink at this time. And we're just gonna, we're gonna figure it out. And I think that it was instantly, okay, I put myself in their shoes when I was that age. And it was, okay, guys, stand side by side as a firing squad. And I said, those boards right there, you're going to hit them as hard as you can. You're just going to shoot the ball. And it's going to come back at you, and you're going to try to catch it. And, um, and for the first, I would say, month, it was just getting used to the environment and getting used to the stick and getting used to the release and all those little things that, you know, would be very difficult to teach each kid individually. But in that month, I kind of coached the masses, demoed, kind of walked through, you know, all my, all my learnings from, uh, from one of my Jedi masters, uh, Jamie. And I just feel like in, in, it just slowly, you could see one by one, that they were learning things that you would have to work really hard in just a field setting um, to learn, you know, having your hands out and all these things. So, and also just releasing with a boy stick. So um, it was it was cool to see how quickly they got it. But once they got this, the, the environment, it was now let's just play. And now let's work on you know, how to get open and where you get open. And it was basically saying, listen, your field IQ and, you know, cutting and hanging out in the middle and being right by the crease, that's not, we're not going to play, we're not playing field across. This is a new sport. So it had to kind of break the mold a little bit as far as what they thought they knew and open up to a more of a team system just by, playing the sport, it was introducing work with each other, work off ball, think two plays ahead, rather than, you know, youth field sometimes can get to, I have the ball, I have the best stick and I'm the fastest and I'm going to run through everybody, you know, 50 yards and score. And you can't do that in, in box and you can cross check. And we allowed and encouraged physicality because again, you can't play it without it. Obviously, you teach them, hey, the, the boards don't move. You know, if you run into them, something else has to move. Um, and it was just kind of just just, uh, just putting the environment together and letting them figure it out as they go. And, and it, was, it was really cool. And seeing them go from their box practice sometimes and then seeing them go right into a field practice, no drop-off. And you would say, well, it's a different stick maybe five, you know, partner passes, 
that it would take for them to retrain into their girl stick. And it's, and it, it just shows that, you know, a lot of girls are, you know, a lot of girls, almost every girl is a great athlete. You know, they're starting with a more experienced stick than boys, you know, with no pocket. So when you allow them to kind of have a little bit of a pocket, but kind of, you know, you're not playing girls across, you're playing something else. It allows them to now think more um, without worrying about dropping the ball, you know, and then, and then so you, you're not, it's less teaching. I think that I always said this, I always said, Canadians are not better athletes. Sometimes they're better lacrosse players. And it's because to get better at lacrosse, they play lacrosse. And it's obviously changing. But I think that that if you play box lacrosse, it'll make you a better field player right away. Whether it's a boy or a girl, I just I really think that it, it, it forces you to do things that that you couldn't do in a um, larger arena. You know, it's, it's almost like futsal to soccer. I think that, you know, when you look at some of these countries that play futsal, their countries are really good at soccer and FIFA and all those things. So you said so many one-liners that I think Jamie says all the time, just about, <laughs> I mean, I can't even count them, Jamie, but there's so many, they're just like letting them play and not blowing the whistle. And, you know, that's kind of the model that Jamie and I have been working together on and talking about constantly and, um, you know, getting that free play fast pace of like just lots of reps, you know what I mean? And then being able to opposite, not fast pace, you slow down, you see things in a different way, you know, when you're playing box cross. Jamie, I have a question, unless you wanted to go first, kind of changing gears. Sure. Um, but I've always enjoyed like watching Sony Brooks practices, your Instagram, just the way you guys get, get reps, the way I just think you do let them play. You know what I mean? It's just a lot of fast paced and, you know, man up situations. I remember going to a live practice. I think it was probably like four years ago now, maybe even five years because my girl Haley that's there now, I brought her up to go see Stony Brook. Um, Cause we drove from Philadelphia together. I, I took her, her, her parents didn't even take her. And I remember calling her mom being like, she's going to come here. She was like, why, why do you say that? And I'm like, just because of the vibe. Like they just got a really good vibe and Haley's sitting here and there's, I know that she's going to commit here. And I just wanted to kind of get a, you know, your feel for that and your thoughts on just your practice culture and what Stony Brook is all about in that sense. I think that every, every program um, just naturally takes on the, um, the personality of their head coach and the staff. Um, and I really, there's a few people that, you know, I, I wouldn't sleep, you know, or live or move cross country for many people. And there's not many, you know, coaches that I would love to learn from and be, you know, next to and Jamie being one and, and, and you know, and Joe being another, because I think that it's not, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're, um, you're really just creating, again, another environment. But I just to answer your question about kind of what this all, I think that it's everybody involved in our program knows that in, you know, when they start a practice or just in general, it's 
you, you bring the lunch pail and you go to work. And I think that it almost allows it to be um, self-sustaining. Like you could probably remove the staff from a practice and they would know exactly how to run a practice and actually each individual get better from that practice because that's the mentality is player development and allow each player to perfect their skill. And, you know, if you can do that, uh, you know, what's that saying? A high tide rises all ships. I think that that's important. So um, the, the, the pace isn't for everybody, but I think that the people that we draw, you know, and, and, and again, I worked in the weight room at Stony Brook before um, coming on board uh, with the women's program. And I knew that Joe was having turnover in his uh, assistant coaches. And I went out to a practice and I said, Hey, I, I can help you just shag balls. Like, I know you're understaffed right now. Like, and I went out to a practice and, and I fell forward just like Haley and you did. I was like, Oh my gosh, like everybody's intense. Everybody's all for it. You know, they're, they're competing hard, but they're great teammates. You know, the, 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 the leader of this group is, very efficient. It's to, you know, it's exactly what, you know, the communication is there. And it was just, it was a good, uh, it was a good program and a good, you know, just efficient way of, of, of spending your time. And so I just started going out more and more to their practices. And I was like, I'm all in, like, what do I have to do? Um, like, can I get recruited uh, to your program? Like, and I was, and so I volunteered for two years just, you know, just wanted to be on staff. And, and I think that it's, it's something that is unique to Stony Brook, but I think that it's, you know, once you get, once you get the, the, um, like I, once you get it, like once you get the sickness for, for that type of practice, you're, you're hooked. It really, it, it's, it's a really tough question. I'm sorry. I don't know if I answered it or not. No, you did. You, I, I kind of wanted you to explain it in your own words as a coach, but I I've seen it. Not many of our listeners might've been able to physically be there or maybe have not watched the game yet. So I just kind of wanted to get our listeners a feel for your culture and your, your Stony Brooks vibe. Was it hard to learn and coach the Stony Brook defense? The, the nuances of the sport made it a little difficult, but I think it was, I gravitated right away when I was volunteering, I gravitated towards coaching the defense or kind of just pulling people aside, you know, throughout the practice, Hey, you could have done this a little bit better in, pra- in that drill or whatever. Um, but I don't want to say, Oh no, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't difficult because that would be, um, you know, a little disrespectful to the sport, but I think that it was, for me, it was, I was able to get rid of, okay, well, you're not the strongest, you're not the tallest. Let's work on, let's work on one thing. And that was, you know, you, we, how do we do our job within the rules? And, you know, footwork is, is, is something that's common to both men and women, you know, on ball pressure, um, but learning our style of defense I would say took a little bit of just kind of, yeah, I've never, you know, been a part of a zone uh, defense or kind of, you know, any of, any of that sort of thing, but it was definitely, um, 
it was definitely interesting to learn what you could do with our, our style of defense that could give, you know, offenses trouble that was unique to only uh, zone type of defense. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely an adjustment, but I, I don't think it was something that I was like, oh my goodness, I have to watch, you know, a ton of games to figure it out. I kind of just learned as I went. And as I got more comfortable, Joe kind of started giving me the keys to the kingdom. And one day he actually said, here are the keys, the physical keys. Uh, here you go. And I just kind of ran with it. That's awesome. Oh. That's, that's great. Do you guys, um, I know obviously like you guys are known for your zone, but do you, do you practice like one v one, like man to man stuff just to help those concepts and build those fundamentals as well? Or do you stick just to the footwork and zone? Concepts? No, we, we do. Uh, we do everything. I think it's important. I mean, in your zone, you're, you're playing man to man defense, but you know, just not just, you know, focusing on just us, you know, for our offensive players, they need to work, you know, against the man to man. So I think that, um, no, we do, we do everything, um, and definitely, uh, work towards, um, progressing for us, but no, I, we, we do it all. Nice. Yeah. And I, I'm, when I was at your practices, I noticed that you guys do a ton of man down just drills, you know what I mean? So that's kind of like, just, you want to, is that true still? Do you guys do a bunch of stuff like five V4s, four V3s, buildups? I feel like it gets that communication piece and it helps them go on in a fast paced way. Is that still true? Yes, but I think that it's actually better for, it's good for our defense, but it's really good for our offense because you can see the open girl with an extra girl and you can see the, the right play to make. And you don't always have to beat a girl in a practice to then find the open girl. So I think that, um, it allows offenses to work on their branches, um, you know, wherever the ball is and kind of do certain things that you would be able to do in a, you know, in a 77. But with that extra girl on offense, um, spacing gets a little bit easier and there's not so much pressure because, you know, in a 77, if you're working on something and I have a girl on the ball, you might not be able to see everything that you want to learn, but if in a game, if that ever happened and you trained man up instantly those, and that's why you see like in our fast breaks, they're so quick because of all those, you know, build up drills. But, you know, if you can break down one defender in a game, you, you have everything that you just practiced, you know, for two hours, but defensively, absolutely reading and you know adjusting shifting to the ball um and things like that for sure i think that i think you know that's both sides of the ball it's really really important to do unsettled stuff yeah no i love that and i think i think the girls enjoy that which is you know it makes it fun it makes it competitive it makes it fast paced get a lot of reps as we've been talking about which has been a theme with you know box fast play stuff and all that that's great james Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I was just going to say, I think the, the one similarity as well with the box in the girls game is that the ball doesn't really, it doesn't sit in one person's stick. And I think that the way a girl kind of holds the ball, you know, with a girl stick, it, it has to be, you know, quick out of your stick, you know, and it allows you to kind of just 
snap it around a little bit faster. So, I mean, I bring this up a lot in our, like no unnecessary cradles. I think a lot of times girls just cradle to cradle and it drives me crazy. So I think that stuff eliminates that just naturally. Exactly. Yeah. I've always been interested in watching the Stony Brook offense and the way that you guys seem to develop your attackers in their ability to play from behind the net, carry up, throw back, swing it through X, sometimes cut, sometimes follow. Um, where does that philosophy come from? And uh, how do you guys, how would you say you sort of develop your attackers? Well, that's a hundred yards away from my expertise, but um, <laughs> I think that in every level of, you know, Joe coaching his, his attackers and attackmen have always been very good. So I think that that's, that's a, that's something that he probably would say his, is his competitive edge is developing attackers. And, you know, we're probably the ones that um, get on, you know, Kylie's highlight reel on, on defense because he can teach certain things that are, it's almost like, Hey, just try this. And then, oh, and then that person will try it and it'll be such a, oh my gosh, that was insane. And now, and then you kind of look at how much more just that one play or that one move opens up certain things for, for that player or for your offense. So um, I don't personally, I, I wish I could, I, I wish I was um, uh, better at, uh, at that, but I think that in practice, you can see when we're working on one-on-ones or when we're working, you know, on dodging from behind or with our attackers, um, Joe is, is right there kind of working with them, walking through things. And he's had success, you know, on both on the boys side of the club. And then, you know, Kylie obviously is a great example, but there just have been a lot of players that have come through our, our, our program on the attack that maybe, got overlooked or maybe people didn't see anything. And then, oh my gosh, in our style of offense, you can see them kind of grow and build. Totally. I, I think the one thing that I think is awesome is that the ability or the fearlessness for the girls to try those type of moves right away in a game where that is something I think is lacking, I guess, maybe in other teams, you know, it's like, all right, Joe says, try this creative move. The next game they're trying it and they're successful or they might have a few that they're not and we just don't see them. You know what I mean? But that, you know, I guess the the way Joe and your guys' program can instill that level of confidence to try something with no fear is is pretty cool to watch. Well, that's like that, you know, that uh, Michael Jordan interview when when he was asked, oh my gosh, what was so much pressure? You make that shot what's going through your head? And he says, I did that 200 times in practice. Didn't feel, you know, it wasn't, I didn't feel any pressure. And I think that that's some of the things that I I saw Kylie do in practice. Some of the things I see Allie do in practice that would wow you better than some of the things that they've ever done in games. And I think that, you know, you don't use a screwdriver for every, you know, job. So if you have a toolbox that, you know, a, a tool belt that you've built that you can use, for every moment. I think that that's, that's the biggest thing and hundred percent, there's no restrictions to, uh, to our, to our style, but I think that, you know, you have to, and, you know, one of the, 
one of the things that I think it's, I, I don't remember the book it was, but you know, your lacrosse stick, you should be able to catch everything from one foot all the way to the other. And you have to be able to do all those things. You might not be able to do it in a game, but, but if you can do it, um, you know, your range isn't limited. And I think that that's, again, something that is in practice. It's always, you know, practice first. That's awesome. You mentioned you can't use a screwdriver for every job or a hammer for every job. And you watch like Kylie O'Miller and she's definitely got a toolkit and she actually uses it. I feel like there's every, every, every division one player, every aspiring division one player works on their behind the backs, for example, but Kylie O'Miller actually feeds behind the back all the time. So how do you get to that point? Is it, you got to like earn the license to do that or, you know, in your practices, are you allowed to make a mistake and throw it away sometimes when you're making the right look, but it doesn't get there. How do you get the confidence to do that? Because most kids don't use the skills that they have. They don't use the tools in their toolbox. And it's probably more of a confidence thing than anything else. In certain aspects of practice, obviously, you know, there's a time and place um, to try certain things. And that leash can, you know, obviously be loosened and tightened. But without a doubt, if the play was, if it was the right thing to do in that play, but it wasn't executed properly, 100% you're still getting praise from your coaching staff, even defensively. Like, hey, I knew what you were trying to do, just bad luck. Or, And then you'll see 100%, um, you know, they'll try it again. And or they won't, but at least they know that. Listen, it wasn't for a lack of of um, effort. It was just, you know, I we I would say it's bad luck. I mean, I actually just uh, we've been filming practice more and more um, lately, and I was rewatching practice, and we did seven v seven, and very Kylie esque. We had a lefty drive up the eight to a, a righty feed, uh, righty cut, instantly BTB right to a stick and feed and uh, it, uh, feed and score. And it was exactly the play that, you know, it was, it was the move that the play called for. And I instantly set that out and I said, listen, look, look at this, like, this is what we're doing in practice. And it's, um, it's definitely, you know, and they work on, we'll split and we'll do shooting and we'll work on defense and stuff. And they're going through every tool in the bag. So it's not like they don't each, it's not like each kid doesn't, you know, get to try it just because they might be, you know, third, you know, on the depth chart at, at you know, attack where they can't do it in 77. They're able to get their reps. And once their time is called or, you know, however it shakes out, they get to, you know, be engaged and, and try it themselves in settle or things like that. But whenever we're doing fast breaks or, or continuous or odd man stuff, 100% you're seeing, the skills kind of, um, you know, come to light and, and people are definitely trying everything. Our goalies are trying. I, I think that like, you know, girl like Haley, you know, you can see their, their, their personality shine in practice because of everything that they're trying to do. And, and I think that that's, it's healthy. You know, I think that it, it allows somebody to come to practice knowing that, listen, it's going to, you're coming here to work, but it's uh 
there, there still is some personality uh, involved in it. It's not very robotic. I think that's where you would lose, um, you know, in the dog days of the season, um, certain kids because, you know, coming to practice isn't always, I get to get better at things that I've never, I, I you know, don't get to try it. I got to do what, you know, my, you know, in, in, you know, with my blind is I can only do those sort of things. I think that that's um, where you might lose some kids. Totally. I mean, you're allowing them to be innovative themselves and allowing you guys might learn from them. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, wow, that was actually awesome, which Jamie and I have talked about before. It's like, we're, they're the next generation. You know what I mean? So you're allowing them to use their imagination a little bit and get creative, which is awesome. I almost feel like I've found myself not getting obviously frustrated, but kind of saying, why didn't you throw a BTB there? Like, like, like it's almost like it's not, it's not, uh, it's not a trick shot, you know, like it, it's so you're right. It, it is a new wave of being just kind of not looking at it through. Um, it, it's a necessity now. Now you almost have to, I feel like the game is, and every sport kind of does this where, you know, it, it, it one person tries it or, you know, it, it's now everybody has to look at, you know, hockey with this lacrosse style goal, like, more and more people are trying it now. A kid sees it now, and in 10 years, that's not a highlight real goal anymore. There's something new that somebody's doing that's, quote, you know, a trick shot. And I think that, you know, it, it, has, to be, it has to be developed, and it has to be praised. It has to be, um, you know, you have to allow kids to, to try new things. And the BTB was invented. The, 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 I forgot the guy that, that – yeah, Jamie, do you know the guy that – that um, did the first BTB? I think it was Doc Rebel. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember his name. No, I don't know. Um, I have no idea. So somebody actually invented the BTB. There's a name for that. Yeah, because in 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 a box game, he couldn't pass it in front. He just threw it behind his back, and Love it, it just. Yeah, they did the right pass. That's what's like. I stopped yelling at my kids. I'm like, don't clap for the behind the back. It was a necessity. Like the yeah. ball couldn't get there if it wasn't thrown that way. And you can't, and in box, you can't switch hands that quickly. Right. Right. So you can't, yeah. so you naturally have to, and it, it, you see it in, in and I, honestly, I feel like in, in every sport, that trick shot was almost like not a panic play, but a quick process of how do I make the play? And it's probably not going to be conventional, but maybe just by being unconventional, you've now set the, you know, set the standard for what is actually unconventional now. I love it. Crazy. Jamie, you got another one? Let's talk a little bit about recruiting. So what are you guys looking for in, in a recruit at Stony Brook? Um, it's not always on field. It's not, that's not the, the most important thing. Um, getting the right people in our locker room. I think that that's, you know, our job as coaches is to do the on field stuff. So that's, it's never about really about that. It's usually, you know, whether it's, it's probably more or less work ethic. Um, 
seeing things that might not be coachable or teachable things. Um, but I, I think that it's, it's definitely it's for our program, the right people can, can fit our mold. And that's important because I think that, you know, every program is unique and I don't think every, you know, every player can fit in every program. I don't think that's, that's, you know, that's, that's the way it should be. But I, I, I do think that for us, it's definitely, it's, it's the things that are not lacrosse related. It, it really is. It's between the thirties or, you know, maybe, you know, off ball things or just things that I think that, that we, uh, that we do, you know, like how can, it, it, it's a tough question because obviously you can't, you know, you can't talk about what you want, you, you know, it's not, it's, it, it, you can't just talk about, Hey, this is what we're, we look for. You know, obviously you can't do that, but I do think that every, every program recruits things that, that they think are important. And the things that we think are important are maybe the intangibles that are not lacrosse based really is it's yeah it, it, yeah I, mean, I talk about it all the time and we've talked about it too greg just like the demeanor i think that like you guys are such a culture like i we've talked about a lot in this podcast is like it's your culture you got to buy in so you have to have that swagger about you that's going to be there to show up and work hard and you know be all in which like you 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 hope that the the player that you saw crushing on the field has that because if they don't then you might pass on them like like you, the amount of times in practice we'll do a one-on-one -on -one, whether the defender just totally fouls the offensive girl or the offensive girl just totally blows by the other girl and they're like let's go again or they'll pick each other up like i it's it like how do you how do you put you know a a, a specific this is you know, like you can't you can't say that's, you know, like you can't explain that, but whatever that is where, you know, you're going to run your friend, best friend over for two hours. You're going to bruise each other up. You're going to literally, you know, want to curse them out. And then two hours later, you're grabbing lunch together. Like, I, how do you, how do you really say that, you know, define that in words, but that's really because that's the amount of kids that we have. We have kids on our team that might never ever play meaningful lacrosse for us in a game, but they are jumping the loudest. They are still involved after they graduate. There's, you know, the group chats are still live after they've graduated. Like that's, that's, so, that's, that's people that are so invested in something that's, you know, it's, it really, it teaches you that you're, it's bigger than just you. Like, like, how do you, and, and I think that that's, and that's why sometimes, you know, it, we're not for everybody and we don't get every single, you know, player that we ever, 
you know, really wanted. I think that that's just because, you know, maybe it was, it was the, it was the right thing because it would have been whether not the right fit or maybe they're looking for something different. And that's really, and I'm, I'm glad that all the players that we've ever had. And again, players that have never played meaningful minutes still texting us to this day. Good luck. Saw you guys last night. Like, that's that's really cool and that's real I don't think that's very common I really don't that's awesome I mean yeah I mean the best you know games and seasons we had in Northwestern were when every single person mattered and everyone found their role whether you're not going in ever or you're the best player on the field and it's a really cool moment and it's really cool culture to be a part of and I'm sure that you still keep in touch with players that you played with Right. You know, yeah. for, you know, a part of those really meaningful seasons. Totally. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely not, it's, it's not a coincidence. No, it's not. And then I, I mean, going off of what you said of who you're looking for and those type of people and those type of personalities, it seems to me that a lot goes to that on field um, connection you get with like either at a camp or seeing their demeanor. So when you guys are recruiting players, you would probably love to get that, one-on-one either coaching experience like you know at a clinic or camp would be ideal while watching them in tournaments as well or or not what's your guy what's your go-to of watching the kids throughout the summer just for our prospective student athletes um i think that one thing that is again you know we pride ourselves on is that eye test anything that you know, everybody says that they can, you know, they have it or um, it's important to them. But for us, I think that you can just by being involved in your own practice, you can kind of say, okay, can this, you know, potential player fit into our practices? Can they, can they just, you know, be able to be a part of something like this? And are you right every time? Obviously not. But, you know, one thing that we definitely do is we do our due diligence. Um, you know, we try to see them as many times as we possibly can um, throughout the year. We try to talk to as many people as we can involved with that, um, with that player um, just because off the field stuff definitely is important, the type of person they are. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely more than just, you know, going to watch one tournament over the summer, but it's more, you just kind of see if you can put them into, you know, your daily practice and see what that would be like. It's, it's, you know, you're, it's really important recruiting, obviously in recruiting the, the, the right kid is really important. And it's, it's something that, you know, takes time and I'm still learning it, but uh, I think that the one thing that I've started to just do more and more is kind of learn what matters to us and a girl scoring nine goals in a game as, as awesome as that is, is that, the only thing I don't, I don't know definitely not for us definitely not totally I love it I mean it's hard it's hard finding the right people and you get that gut feeling though you can you know all right I've, this person's going to be something you know 
you have that, you know, I don't know, connection in a way that hopefully your gut instinct is going to pan out. And like you said, sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're wrong. And I, I think that we have players on our team that, you know, are successful because of where they are. Could they have been successful at every program? Maybe, but I do think that seeing their development, and that's the thing is you see it, right? Like you see it from freshman year to, to senior year, how they've become or how they've grown and the type of player really, it, it's not a, it's definitely not a, a sprint. And, you know, you, we don't care if you're the best high school senior. No, you, we want you to be the best college senior. That's the goal. And that road might take four or five years and we might see something as a, you know, 11th grader that won't come out until senior year of college, but we're, we're willing to invest in that just because we know that it'll finally come out. So great. You guys, Stony Brook university has just really set an incredible bar and the standard for developing players really pioneered the zone defense. And now you're running that. And um, it's so interesting to hear the insights on recruiting and everything else you're doing. Uh, Greg, it's been awesome to, to get to know you first as a recruit and then as an assistant coach and, and uh, a resident of my basements and, um, and as a friend and a colleague in the lacrosse coaching world. So thanks so much for coming on uh, the show and for sharing all your insights and knowledge and passion. Absolutely. This is, this is really fun. Awesome. Good luck against uh, USC, right? That's what you guys just added. Good luck. Thank you so much.